the 200 level episode 208 a star is corn all right before you groan about that title you can thank harry black for that this is an old joke from the tame carp show on 93.5 so harry black that title is for you a star is corn i'm sitting here from a hotel room in lexington it's sunday morning got my starbucks from across the way Uh, my voice a little worse for wear from my morning jacket last night at this music festival more on that later But at this music festival, I did not get the best cell service at all. So I was in the dark for most of the second half. In fact, the last update I got before it got really bad was the scoop and score to put Illinois up 16 to 9. But I have to be honest, all day long, from the minute I woke up and all the way through the, you know, two hours that I really had no idea what was going on in the game, I had that good gut feeling. And gut feelings don't mean a whole lot. I understand that. But even when Brandon Peters went out and it appeared as I perused Twitter at that moment that Illinois fans were going back into the, oh God, here we go again. Murphy's law, right? Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. I didn't get that sense. And I'm so happy that my gut feeling was actually validated by the way that Brett Bielema and this team played yesterday. I was able to get back late last night and watch a replay of the game. And what they do on YouTube is they will put together these kind of like mixtapes, but it's only the live action. And as you know, for football, the plays themselves only take about 30 minutes. So I could watch the entire game in a half hour, and I did. And what I was most impressed by is the competence of this team. And I got to give Isaac Trotter a shout out. And I know that I've been harping on it here in the 200 level as well. Back when Brett Bielema was hired in December, all I asked for was consistent competence, which While I understand that wouldn't sell a lot of t-shirts, that is the kind of thing that Illini football fans, I think, would be ecstatic about. Just consistent competence. I don't need excellence. I don't need this football program to be top 10 or anything like what our basketball program is at its peak. But if you give me competence, I can at least go into Memorial Stadium seven Saturdays a year and be excited for what I'm about to watch. And I think that's what we have already. Now, there are going to be losses this year that are frustrating. There's going to be moments, as we saw in the first half with the offensive line, where things look outright bad. And that's going to happen when a football team like Illinois goes out on the field and doesn't have a whole lot in the way of elite talent. I think we would agree on that. This team is not elite in terms of talent. But they have some. And when you have a decent amount of talent, which I think this Illinois team does, in addition to the experience with all these super seniors and some game-breaking guys, as we saw with Isaiah Williams yesterday, Deuce Span, former, another former quarterback that's making plays at receiver. When you see this combined with a coaching staff that seems to know what the hell they're doing, it is reasons to be optimistic for the next 11 games. I don't expect eight and four. I still think six and six is right about where this team can and maybe after yesterday should end up because the Nebraska game was a very important swing game in terms of are you five and seven or are you six and six? Well, you got a swing game against a team that is comparable to you in a lot of ways, but it's amazing how the tide has turned here. Nebraska, the way that they lost that game yesterday is so much like all the Illinois games that we feel like we've lost in the last 20 years. You know, the games that we actually had a chance to win and then we would find creative ways to lose. That's Nebraska now. And in one game, that's the opposite of what we saw with Brett Bielema and this team. They were competent. 
and they didn't get flustered. And some of the most impressive things yesterday were the eight-minute drive to open the second half. Eight-minute drive to go up 23 to 9. That was remarkable. But here's one that I think, uh, for those in the stands, you probably felt it. And as I watched the replay, I thought, wow, this is impressive. Nebraska went down to score and make it a 30-22 to ball game after they missed another extra point. That drive took them a very long time. And as I kept checking the timer on the bottom of this YouTube highlight video and saw that all of a sudden Nebraska went from having the ball with you know nine minutes left, eight minutes left, all the way down to three minutes, you bled clock on defense, which is not what you typically think of if you're trying to hold a lead, but you did. You kept everything in front of you. You didn't let them get the quick score to really make it interesting. And then you put the game away. It was impressive. And... I, I really wish I could have been there. Trust me, though, I had a great time at my morning jacket, as you can tell from this voice. Uh, the music festival down here is kind of a mess, getting very, very bad reviews. Um, but, you know, listen, we're old concert hands, so we just brought all the tailgating equipment. And essentially, yesterday was exactly like my dad um, would always say about concerts. You get the tailgate, and your team always wins. Well, it was double fun for me yesterday after finding out that Illinois wins the game and this would have been at about 4.30, 4.40 Eastern time. And then a day that I was already having a good time got that much better. I get to see a great rock band and Illinois won. They're 1-0. And they had the nation's attention, at least for a day. There's a lot to talk about today, all of it good. I love doing these kinds of podcasts. This is fun. So before we get too far into it, got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. 15 years that they've been around. 2006 is when they opened, when I would have been freshman going on sophomore at the U of I, and they are still a campus tradition. I am guessing that they had a pretty good day yesterday. And I was hoping that for Illini fans, you know, you, you're in lot 31, it's 7 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock, getting late, the party's winding down, you need something good to eat. Hey, we got a primetime game next week. DPDO is open late. So after Illinois beats UTSA, you can go to dpdo.com or have them deliver it anywhere in Champaign-Urbana at dpdo.com. By the way, I'll be clearing my throat every now and then. <laughs> That's uh, what concerts do to me. Also got to remind you that the 200 levels brought to you by 4th and Kirby. I got two Illini football t-shirts with me in my bag. Going to rock one of those today at Railbird Festival. And 4th and Kirby, it's great stuff. I can say this. The designs are fantastic. But it's the quality of t-shirt that really puts it over the top. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you get t-shirts that are branded, but they're... That sort of crappy Gildan stuff. They don't fit right. They're kind of clunky. No, these are really, really nice t-shirts. They spare no expense. The designs are great. And I'm going to be rocking one of these next Saturday in Lot 31. So go to fourthandkirby.com, including a brand new t-shirt with Brandon Lloyd. Check it out. Just like the Corey Bradford one back in March for basketball. This one's a great Illini football t-shirt. That's at fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at Brian is my guy. Dot com. So for all your insurance needs, life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian and his staff will hook you up. I know that they were at the game yesterday. They met a bunch of the Illini basketball players. It was a celebratory day, man. Everybody was in a good mood, and the basketball players were taking pictures. Um, Brian and his family got to meet some of them. And I will say that Brian uh, was absolutely tremendous with me and Kara when we moved into the new house for homeowners insurance and also an auto insurance bundle. So 
I can't recommend Brian and the staff enough. That's brianismyguy.com. Another place I can highly recommend is Rector Construction, R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for all of your exterior home needs. And while we typically think that construction season is in the summer, these guys are open year-round. Whatever your exterior needs may be, Rector Construction brings expert craftsmanship, great customer service, and they are also really good, can I say stewards, really good citizens here in Champaign-Urbana. They have been locally active since uh, when they opened. So I can say that these are good dudes that do great work at Rector Construction. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. I think those are the particulars as I take a sip of Starbucks here. All right, so where to begin with this game? I mentioned that I felt good going into yesterday, and gut feelings don't mean a whole lot. When Illinois went up 2 nothing on the Nebraska safety, which is one of the most ridiculous plays you will ever see. And it is really kind of a microcosm of the Scott Frost era at Nebraska. It was funny. And, you know, Trevor and Isaac and I were texting each other before I lost cell service. And Trevor said he was, he was laughing in the stands. And why wouldn't you be? I would have been laughing too. Uh, that's something that we used to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe not that play in particular, but we were the, you know, comedy of errors. Well, that was Nebraska yesterday. And I really think that that kind of set the tone, even though Nebraska went up nine to two. I got to wonder what kind of psychological effect that safety had for Illinois, thinking, okay, well, we can go down seven points against this team, but we just keep doing what we're doing and they are bound to screw up. And they did. Let's start with Nebraska and their follies. The safety, of course, to get things started, but also the fumble, which turned into the scoop and score for Illinois. And if we want to point to one play, that's the one. It was the scoop and score that changed everything. I mean, you can look at the win probability on ESPN, and that's the exact moment where Nebraska was about a 20% favorite to win, and then, boom, it flips immediately to Illinois. As Isaiah Williams was talking to the media after the game yesterday, he called it double dipping. Score before the half, and when you get the ball to start the second half, score then. And to me, talk about setting the tone for the rest of the season an eight-minute drive to open up the second half. That's a thing of beauty. I think 14 plays, 75 yards. We'll get to Sitkowski in a bit, trust me. <laughs> uh, the run game got going. Kudos to the offensive line. The fact that they played one of the worst halves that they probably ever played. And then they rebounded beautifully in the second half. And there's still work to be done. I mean, that is going to be an offensive line that maybe isn't quite as good as we thought. But when it came down to it, they did their job and that opening drive in the second half. That really set the tone. And if I would have been in the stands at that moment, I would have thought, we got this. And that's a very different feeling. You know, Trevor had sent a text during the fourth quarter that said, you know, I probably shouldn't be nervous. And I don't even know if I am nervous. But man, it's only a two-score game. And then it became a one-score game. And people that were in the stands, you would have to let me know how nervous you got when it was 30 to 22. But back to this sort of pendulum swing from Illinois usually is the team that makes the mistakes, and Nebraska as a program historically is the opposite, right? They just win a lot of football games. You have a mixed, missed extra point when it could have been 30 to 23. I think at the moment that they missed that extra point, I would have laughed again and said, okay, this doesn't matter. We got this. Because at that point, you saw that Nebraska was continuing to make mistakes that were uncharacteristic of individuals on their team. That was the Big Ten kicker of the year. He misses two extra points yesterday. 
that makes no sense. But sometimes that's just the way things go. When a program is not doing well, like Nebraska currently, you see things like this. And all of a sudden, Illinois looked like the steady hand. Like, yeah, we got this. I got to give credit to the defense. You know, they are not going to be asked to be great this year. They gave up nearly 400 yards. But at the end of the day, they stopped more drives than most Illini defenses we've seen in the last five years. Nebraska had the ball for 25 minutes. And of course, you got to give credit to Illinois' offense. Sikowski did a great job as a game manager. That's all you will ask him to be with the running backs that you have and maybe some emerging threats in the passing game. But that's also a little bit to the defense for keeping Nebraska's offense off the field and saying, here you go, Art, (laughs) take the ball again. And that is very impressive. 400 yards against this Nebraska team with a quarterback like Adrian Martinez, I'll take that as opposed to the 700 yards two years ago when it was Lovey's defense. And isn't that the difference? You know, I mean, Lovey will inevitably come up today. And I will try to not turn this into a crap on Lovey Smith affair. But you saw such a stark contrast between the Lovey Smith era and the Brett Bielema era in one afternoon. In one afternoon. And also Ryan Walter's defense versus Lovey's defense. They were trying some new things. And I'm guessing... If I had a venture, I guess here, the defense didn't even show all the different things that they're going to this year. Not that they were purposely holding anything back against Nebraska, but you know, being the first game, I don't know how many wrinkles they wanted to put out there just yet. Maybe they weren't ready for it. The creativity on defense, that was great. And the defensive line, five sacks, I don't know how many hurries of the quarterback. They kept Adrian Martinez for the most part in the pocket, except for the 75-yard run. Broken play like that, unfortunate, and maybe that would have been the moment in the second half where I would have gotten nervous if I'd been watching in real time. But, man, that defensive line was great. And as with any team, it's the caveat of if they stay healthy. Well, if that defensive line stays healthy, all of a sudden you have a somewhat surprising strength of the team. Uh, I can't speak to if Nebraska's offensive line is one of the better ones you'll see this year. But this is not a young Nebraska team. This is not. Maybe not quite as old as Illinois, but they have enough veterans to have done better against a defensive line that I don't know if any of us were super pumped about. You know, just be serviceable. No, the D-line was more than serviceable yesterday. What are some other things that stand out here? I'm pulling up the stats, and I look at first downs. 19 for Nebraska, 18 for Illinois. Again, you will happily keep a team like Nebraska to under 20 first downs, the way the college football is now. Total yards, 392 Nebraska, 326 for Illinois. You won, only gaining 326 yards. Um, This offense, despite having 30 points, or I should say 23, if you take the scoop and score out, or really more to the point, 21, if you take the safety out. But this offense will have issues this year. And as good as Sikowski was yesterday, and as great as that throw was to do span, you will have moments where we are frustrated as fans because they just can't quite get much going. But you know what? They didn't make any mistakes except for the one that got called back, the interception that got called back because of the late hit. And uh, I understand if I'm a Nebraska fan, I would have been a little frustrated with that. Maybe that could have been a game-turning play. But that's how it shakes out. That's how, it's, that's how the cookie's crumbling for Nebraska right now. Right. And, and it actually went Illinois' way. Again, back to this idea that all of a sudden we're the steady hand and instead of Murphy's Law, it's the opposite. You know, the good things keep happening for this Illinois team yesterday. 
167 rushing yards for Illinois to 160 for Nebraska. 75 of those for Nebraska were on that rush by Martinez. So if you take that out, the yards per rush goes from 4.1 to somewhere around 3. That's really good. That is really good. You force Adrian Martinez to pass, and guess what? 16 for 32, 7 yards per pass. Ain't that great. When he's a volume passer, you're probably going to win the game. Penalties. This is just a sight for sore eyes. Five for Nebraska. So you could do worse, though. 67 yards, and one of those, of course, was costly because it negated that interception. Three penalties for Illinois. 40 yards total. One turnover for both teams. Each of them a fumble lost. Possession, 35 minutes for Illinois, 25 for Nebraska. Come on. This is beautiful. (laughs) I don't need Mike Leach-esque offensive numbers. I don't need 600 yards to be entertained. I have, as an Illini fan, been disappointed time and time again by this football program. I don't need the flashy stats. I just need wins. And while yesterday's game, I think we would all agree, it was not the most exciting brand of football, if we're just talking aesthetically, right? Illinois kept things fairly close to the vest, apart from the deuce span catch and the throw from Sikowski, both of those guys tremendous on that play. But for the most part, they kept things close to the vest. But didn't you have a good time watching it? I mean, I did on the replay. I thought, wow, this is, you know, it's traditional football. It's the kind of thing that Brett Bielema learned at Iowa and then coached at Wisconsin. Yeah, it's nothing crazy, but it doesn't need to be. I've said this before on the podcast that in the Big Ten West, I really do think that if you're just a team that makes fewer mistakes than the other, you got a really good shot to be a consistent winner. And that's why someone like Pat Fitzgerald has turned Northwestern into a consistent winner. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, you look at them and think they're boring and they aren't the most exciting brand of football. We say that as Illini fans, but for the 25 Northwestern football fans that are out there, I think they're probably enjoying it because they're winning. Wisconsin, Iowa, same thing. Not the flashiest stuff. Occasionally you get an Iowa or Wisconsin team that isn't just merely good, but they're fantastic, right? But for the most part, they win with a fairly vanilla type of football. And that's what I saw yesterday. And it was exciting to think that, wait a second, you know, Brett Bielema is keeping this simple. This coaching staff is keeping it simple. And they have a template. They have a blueprint for how you win games in the Big Ten. That's something that no Illinois head coach has had in my lifetime. Mike White, I think, wrapped up in 87, 88. Okay, so I was one or two years old. That doesn't count. John Makovic, I wasn't paying attention. That guy knew how to win football games. Lou Tepper, Ron Turner, Ron Zook, Tim Beckman, Bill Cubitt, Lovey Smith. Wow. What a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> and, and now we got this guy that maybe when the name came out last December, you're thinking, well, didn't he fail at Arkansas? But why the last eight, nine months have been exciting leading up to yesterday's game is I think most of us realize, well, wait a second. This is unlike any coaching hire we've made before. And the guy's track record suggests that he wins Big Ten games. And he did. The first one. The first one against a team in Nebraska that should have been more desperate than you were. And I'm sorry. I mean, it's difficult for me to make as much sense of it from the YouTube replay. But did you get a sense that Nebraska had this urgency yesterday or they wanted to win for their coach or any of that kind of crap? I I didn't. If anything, Scott Frost is just an unlikable 
doofus, uh, you know, the, the sort of kind of quiet, strong, silent type macho thing he's going for. And he's got nothing to show for it. He's got nothing to show for it. And this will be his last year at Nebraska. They are not going to be that good. And we may look at this win at the end of the season and think, well, Nebraska was just bad. That may be the case. But in week one, you know, you say throw the records out. There are no records. They were 0-0, both teams. But, you know, week one, I think that matters less and less. Nebraska could go on to be 3-9, and nine, and this would still be an important win for Brett Bielema and the staff. Now let's talk about the ramifications of a win like this. Jeremy and Joey, on their podcast last night after the game, talked about the sort of how the tentacles that reach out from this game to the recruits, to inside the locker room, to the fan base, to the students, all of it good. You could not have picked a more important win, I think, in this season for Brett Bielema. Maybe Wisconsin, right? Maybe Wisconsin or Iowa, some sort of signature win later in the year that validates that, wow, this guy really turned them around quickly. But you had a spotlight when most other Power 5 teams did not. Brett Bielema had a quote that led off SportsCenter last night. Now, granted, they showed the Alcorn State highlights first. Give me a break. Come on, ESPN. I know that's where game day was, but no, most college football fans were watching that game yesterday. And maybe it was ugly at first, but as the game went on, I got texts from, for, for one, from a buddy who's an Ohio State fan saying, this is impressive. And at that point, I'm like, oh God, why is, my, why is my internet not working here? I want to stream this thing. I downloaded the Fox Sports app and everything. I was ready to go and I just did not get the service. But yeah, I was getting texts from people saying how much they enjoyed watching it and how impressive it was. And as an Illinois football fan, I'm not used to that. So the win yesterday, what it does for the fan base, hey, it's UTSA on a Saturday night. I know the opponent's not going to excite people, but I would bet 45,000, maybe 50, maybe 50 if they do another push to sell tickets, will be there at 6.30 next Saturday. And that's pretty good when you consider where this program's been. I know that whether or not it's 45 or 50,000 in the stands, the tailgate scene is going to be nuts. I am so excited to spend a full day in Lot 31. I am so excited for that. It's been way too damn long. I got some catching up to do for not being there yesterday. So that's the fan part. The student part. That north end zone, I think it was a sellout, right? A student sellout from what I was reading this morning. Talk about a first impression. I don't know if all those students are going to be back because it's not Nebraska next week. It's a night game and maybe they want to party. But you know what? I bet that that student section is going to be fairly full. And I also, fairly full, sorry, that sounded like one word, fairly full. And I also would venture to guess that you're not going to have any more of those dead spin pictures of 50 students scattered in that north end zone just because they didn't want to come out and watch a Tim Beckman or Lovey Smith team. I think those days are over. Just by winning that game. It's hard for me to imagine a situation this year where you get back to that 50 students in the north end zone as opposed to basically a full north end zone. There's your fans and your students. Recruiting, that's something that Jeremy and the guys at Lana Inquirer, they can speak to far better than I can. But with all the recruits that were in the stands yesterday and saw that, wow, this is the first game for this dude, and there's an energy in the stands. There's an energy in the lots. Yeah, it was a hot day, but I tell you what, they're, from everything that people in the lots and at the game were texting me yesterday, there was a palpable buzz. That's awesome. 
First game of Brett Bielema, it could have went either way. You could have lost yesterday by 14 points, but you didn't. Best case scenario, you won a fairly exciting game, and these recruits got to see the Illinois game day experience, and I'm guessing that they probably have not experienced the other kind of Illinois game day experience, which why would any recruit have wanted to come into that in the last five years? And then finally, for the guys in the locker room, and I was most struck by a video that Jeremy and those guys put up for Illini Inquirer with Isaiah Williams. Talk to him after the game. And we've talked about how the kid has an it factor. And I was just speaking in terms of what he does on the field. And then I hear him talking and I'm like, this dude's a leader. And he, he seems like a really cool kid and has his wits about him. And you could sense the excitement that he had. This is someone that was the prize recruit for Levy Smith, the future quarterback. And from what I could tell in this post-game clip, this new wide receiver that is going to be more and more of an impact player on offense, he's happier than he probably ever was at this program. He's happier than he was when he was in the quarterback room because they won. And just imagine that effect on the rest of the guys, that they won a big game. This is the first time that they played in front of fans for two years, and they won a massive game. There's something going on there, right? There's something going on at that football program, whereas three years ago, I remember towards the end of my run on 93.5, Lon and I were sitting and doing a show, and it just hit me. Like, I wasn't able to really flesh out my thoughts fully, but I, I said to Lon on the air, what the hell was going on over there? The recruiting wasn't happening. There were guys that were transferring out. There was really no path forward. There was no plan. And I just asked on the air, hypothetically, I guess, to no one in particular, what the hell is going on over there at the football performance center? What are they doing? Like, really, what is Levy and his staff doing? And I don't think we'll ever fi- you know, fully find out what they were doing or what, what they were not doing. But I, I get the feeling what these guys are doing. And it's something that even a novice or casual football, football fan like myself can understand. They got a plan. They're executing it. This is a guy that's done it before at this level. And it is just refreshing to feel like, well, the captain has a steady hand right now, and he knows where he wants to take this ship. And all the guys that are on board seem to be fully in tune with what Brett Bielema and Tony Peterson and Ryan Walters and the rest of the staff want from them. Um, not to, I was, that was getting a little bit too much row the boat style. Sorry for all the you know captain ship analogies there, but it really does feel like, hey, we got guys that know what they're doing, and we have players that have already bought in. And if they, for whatever reason, were on the fence going into that Nebraska game, no longer. Got to think that entire locker room is on board. So the fans, we're in. Students, they're in. Recruits, got to think they're in. That's not been a problem so far for Brett Bielema. They got another big three-star recruit this week. And as you know, I'm not the biggest football recruiting guy. I don't follow individual recruits for football nearly as much because there's just so many of them. But uh, from what I could tell, that was a big pickup from another guy getting power five high major offers, right? So this is all working, right? This is all going towards what I think is a solid team that can go six and six. And I'm not going to amend my expectations because as we saw yesterday, there were still moments where the offense really struggled. I don't know if Arthur, Sil- Arthur is that you say? I'm just going to call him Art Sitkowski. 
how he might do over a full season. This leads me real quick into the Brandon Peters discussion. And as I was texting Trevor and Isaac yesterday and Peters got hurt, I did see that on my Fox Sports stream before Internet One could put. That didn't concern me that much in terms of, oh God, what is this team going to do? I feel terrible for Brandon as a what 23-year-old, I think. And this is his third year at Illinois, and this was going to be the year that he showed, yeah, I can do this. I can be a 12-game starter. I can be good. And I think that's all we were asking him. Not great, but just be good, Brandon. And the early returns were not good. Then he gets hurt, and you're thinking, well, his season's over before it even got started. Understandably, some fans on Twitter, and I'm guessing in the stands, were thinking, oh, God, here we go again. Now we're putting in the Rutgers quarterback that, and I say this, literally, had one of the worst quarterbacking seasons in recent college football history. And he was good. Not great. You can do better than Sikowski, but he was good. And he made the big throw to Deuce Span, and Deuce Span made the big catch. So for Brandon, I feel bad, and I don't know if we're going to see him again next year. I don't know the extent of the injury, but I also get the feeling that if you start winning with Art Art Sitkowski, I'm not going to try Arter. I feel like I just say it weird. If you're going to stick with Sitkowski and he wins games, you aren't going back because Brandon Peters might have a big arm, but he has not done enough to suggest that that job will be waiting for him. I don't expect that. I think Sikowski is your starter. What a debut for him. You know, not, not the flashiest stats. Didn't even get 200 yards passing. Let me pull this up and make sure I get it right. Um, 159 yards, it looks like. Uh, Sikowski had 124 of them. So Brandon Peters had about 30. But 12 for 15, two touchdowns. I was talking to my dad yesterday. So we're outside by the car waiting to go in for my morning jacket. Wanted to talk to him and get some more context about what happened with the game. Because I was able to make calls. Couldn't get on Twitter, couldn't watch highlights, but I was able to make calls and get the occasional text. And apparently sometime during the game, Brock Heward, Brock Heward, Heward, mentioned that Sitkowski was kind of the prototypical Wisconsin quarterback. And I look at those numbers and think, yeah, sure, I see that. Remember like Joe Stave for Wisconsin? Brooks Bollinger? (laughs) I mean, but it's really just an endless parade of names that hardly any of them went on to NFL success other than Russell Wilson, and that was a transfer. But for the most part, the prototypical Wisconsin quarterback was just a guy that was efficient, not flashy, and he had like one big throw in him a game. One big throw in him a game. That was Sikowski yesterday. Maybe we have our Joe Stave. I'd be fine with that. Um, Mike Epstein. You know, Brandon Peters, it's a shame that he gets injured. Mike Epstein, for all the injuries that he's had, he was the best running back yesterday for Illinois. You still feel good about the running backs, and you feel really good for Mike Epstein that he was able to have a moment like that. And now I need to talk about Deuce Span because I lump him and Isaiah into the same conversation because they were both in the quarterback room. And then Brett Bielema gets here, and he's like, nah, you guys are athletes. You're wide receivers. And on the first game, just think about this. Isaiah Williams is getting the ball in the red zone as a wide receiver. They're they're designing plays for Isaiah Williams and maximizing his athletic ability. Deuce Span is lining up at wideout, and he gets a 45-yard reception that really, if you think about it, from that moment on, the game was never in doubt. That was a massive play. Luke Ford gets a touchdown. And while I don't think Brett Bielema gives a lick about Levy Smith, he's just here to do his job, As Trevor and Isaac and I were texting yesterday, it does appear like a big old middle finger to the last staff. 
Like, what were you doing? <laughs> we got we got these guys. We got the guys to win football games, and you weren't doing it. Now, thank goodness, in a way, that they weren't doing it because we got Brett Bielema and the staff, in part because Lovey and his staff just didn't get it done. But wow, think about that. Deuce Span, former quarterback, he makes the big reception for you. Isaiah Williams, they're getting creative with him. They're going to get more and more creative with him. That kid is awesome. I love when he has the ball in his hands and they're getting it to him. Man, it feels good, doesn't it? Like I'm just sitting here and I'm four and a half hours away from home and we're probably another couple hours away from heading back into tailgate and stuff. But I mean, geez, um, Illinois won a big game when the nation's eyes were on them. Uh, Oh, by the way, yeah, apparently I made the Illinois football pipe video. And it's me saying, it's week zero and all the nation's eyes will be on Illinois. I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like that. And I was like, man, clearly the uh, the video coordinator over there doesn't realize some of the things I used to say about the Illinois uh, revenue sports programs. I was a little bit surprised that I was on that video, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's true. All the nation's eyes were on that game. And as I mentioned, it is anecdotal, but the fact that I had non-Illini fans texting me and saying, whoa. That speaks to the importance of yesterday. Did you put the nation on alert that Illinois football is great? I don't think so. You know, again, Nebraska might be bad. But you did at least put the Big Ten West on alert that we are not going to be an easy win. And that, I'll take that. Again, I don't need greatness. I just need competence. And you got it in a very emphatic way. If you can get competence in an emphatic fashion, that's what you got in that Nebraska win yesterday. I'm happy for all the fans. It had to be a blast out there. Hot for sure. I'm I'm sure that everyone's really feeling it this morning. I am after being out in the sun for a little bit yesterday too. But man, isn't Saturday going to be fun? And isn't this week leading up to it going to be fun? UTSA is not going to be an easy matchup. But I am going to avoid the trap game narrative because one, I don't think that this coaching staff would allow that. Two, I think there's something to be said for the team that already has a game under their belt as opposed to a team playing their first game of the year. And I would have to check. I don't think UTSA played week zero. I think that is a massive advantage for Illinois. And just the fact that it doesn't matter what week you play them or what circumstance, you should beat them. You got an old Illinois team. I think that the way that you played in the second half against Nebraska, you do that against UTSA, you win by multiple scores. If you play poorly, it's going to get maybe a little bit hairy. And, um, It could happen. I mean, that's the thing. Could it happen? Yes. Do I anticipate it happening? No. Do I think it's the traditional trap game narrative? Most of the time I would, but not with a team with 22 super seniors and a coaching staff that seems to know how to push what buttons at what time. So yeah, I'll see you Saturday. Um, I'm trying to think there's anything else about that game. I mean, I'm probably going to go back and watch that YouTube highlight video when I'm done recording this and <laughs> just watch the, the 30 minute supercut of every play in that game because it was really fun and it was cool to see the shots of the stadium and how much orange was in there and know that Illinois fans are ready to go. You know, we are ready to get nuts for a football program and I'm ready to get nuts for a six and six team. I think most people would be so we can enjoy the season. I think still with relative, with a relative lack of, as I often say, fan pressure. The idea that when you walk into the stadium, you're super nervous, like, oh God, but what if we lose? I don't think that you're at that point, even after beating Nebraska. I think that at least the approach I'm going to take 
is, okay, let's just kind of see how the season shakes out, knowing there will be disappointments, but also knowing that maybe there'll be a really cool surprise or two in there in terms of a quality win. Uh, This team, I don't think, should get blown out in many, if any, games. And you could look at, you know, at Iowa, for example. Iowa just owns us. Maybe they beat us by three scores. Okay. Wisconsin, we'll see. I think the fact that it's home and it's homecoming and it's Brett Bielma's former team, I, I would still be surprised if that were a blowout, but I guess that's another option for a game where you just look outclassed. But I don't know if there's going to be many of those. And when I contrast that with the last five years or the last 20 for the most part and all the games where you just got the doors blown off of you, man, isn't that going to make for a fun 11 weeks coming up? All right, um, one more thing before I go. On, was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday night, there was a Twitter brouhaha, and I want to just kind of quickly address this for clarity. Um, Kedrick Prince is the recruiting analyst for Illini Guys. Illini Guys is this relatively new, it's been about a year, relatively new Illini news site. Brad Sturdy was one of the uh, first writers for them. Matthew Stevens Uh, a few other guys that are over there. And I got to give credit to these guys. They're getting after it. They got a syndicated radio show. Um, They are really busting their tail to put content out there. So even though, of course, Jeremy and I go way back, um, and and I think Illini Inquirer is the best news site for Illinois stuff, I still give credit to the Illini guys for doing what they do. And that includes Kedrick. You know, for what I know, I've heard he's a nice guy. Uh, I think when it comes to recruiting, he probably does his due diligence as a reporter. But what happened on Wednesday was this. Um, Kedrick is known on Twitter. His sort of niche, I guess, would be he is very much a fanboy. You know, I'm fanboy cart, but he, (laughs) you think I'm a positive fan when things are going good. He is a positive fan even when things aren't necessarily going good. And there might be something good about that. You know, I, I probably am a little bit too surly sometimes. But one thing that uh, I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with from Illini media members, especially credentialed ones, is when the homerism starts venturing into marketing. And case in point, on Wednesday, there was a tweet from Kedrick that literally gave out the phone number for the Illini ticket office. Give this number a call. Get your tickets for Saturday. What are you waiting for? Paraphrasing, of course, but that was essentially the gist of it. And to me, that was a bridge too far. Now, Twitter can be a cesspool. I don't want to add to the noise. I probably did on Wednesday. And if I were to do it over again, I don't know if I would have tweeted in as snarky a fashion as I did. I retweeted what he had with the phone number. And I said, is this a paid advertisement or more clear-eyed objective journalism from a credentialed media member? That is snarky, right? But then I go back and forth on this, and I think, wait a second, as an Illini fan, as, and as someone that consumes Illini media myself, from all sorts of sources, I would like to think that we can hold Illini media members to a higher standard than what we saw in that tweet and similar tweets from Kedrick. Again, it's not about him personally, but I also understand that if I criticize someone professionally, inevitably that will be taken personally. You know, Clearly, this is an important gig for Kedrick. He is very much an Illinois fan, and he probably loves being able to cover the teams like he does. But when you do that, when you put out the number of a ticket office, you shouldn't be credentialed anymore. 
you shouldn't have access to players and coaches. You shouldn't be in the press box if there's a chance that you might cheer. I learned that when I was in middle school. Kent Brown was nice enough to let me go and cover a basketball game. I didn't wear an Illinois shirt. I didn't wear orange or blue. I sat there quietly and covered the game. And of course, as a 14, 15-year-old, my instincts were like, cheer. You know, Illinois basketball was really good back then. So I was courtside for a really big game. But I didn't because that's not what journalists do. I had some replies from some of Kedrick's fans that, well, some of them were just kind of funny. Um, <laughs> one of them said, yeah, Carp's a liberal and he's teaching our kid a bunch of those lib ideas. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not. Um, that's a whole other discussion for another day. Um, I, you know, some name calling, things like that. Clearly, it struck a chord with some of his followers. Um, there were other people rushing to his defense saying, you do you, kid. And it's like, it's not about you do you. It's about this. If you get a credential and you get the access, do not act as a marketing department or an arm of the marketing department for Illinois. They don't need that. Um, that is really blurring the lines between being a journalist or a reporter, someone that actually talks to recruits, talks to players, talks to coaches, appears on Saturday morning talk shows under the guise of being a recruiting analyst. If you are going to present yourself as that, you should not be tweeting things like that. That's pretty much the gist of what I have to say. I did get a contact from someone at Alani Guys, and we were direct messaging after this. I mean, it blew up. Here's what happened. I'm watching Mad Men, and it's during an ad break, and I see that, and it just sort of, it's like I got, I got a comment. I couldn't help myself. And that is probably uh, maybe a little bit of immaturity on my part for handling it that way. I don't know. You be the judge on that. That's fine with me. Uh, but I did hear from an Illini guys correspondent, uh, someone that I've engaged with before, and, and he said that it was a pot shot. He said it was unfair. But he also said that I had a point. <laughs> you got a point, but it's just basic human decency. And you know what? In hindsight, I don't know if I buy that. Um, whether or not I was decent or not, is really of no concern to me. I don't think I was disrespectful. I think that I was calling out something that needed to be called out. And um, if I hurt anyone's feelings, specifically Kedrick, if there was any offense taken personally, I do apologize for that. And perhaps I could have reached out to him individually. But he's not a colleague. I've never met the guy. Um, I'd say the same thing to his face. If I saw him in a parking lot outside of the game, I'd say, hey, listen, I really mean what I said. However, if that offended you or you took personal offense, I do apologize. I would say that person to person, man to man, however you want to put it. Um, I would not tweet something that I wouldn't say to somebody's face. I can't say the same for some of the replies that I got. <laughs> uh, I can't, yeah. Um, so that was a trip, man. I, I, I think over the last year, I've tried to really make an emphasis on not being this sort of grenade launcher on Twitter because that's what a social media platform allows you to do. Launch grenades from the safety of your couch. And I don't want to be that guy that does it consistently. And I don't want to be the person that does it unnecessarily. I really did think it was needed though. Alani Media as a whole needs a kick in the ass because there are way too many people that dub themselves reporters or journalists on the beat or on the recruiting beat that are really doing it a service to this fan base. 
and they are consistently going for the low-hanging fruit. Orange and blue emojis and all that garbage. And they have this niche, man. And I say niche. There is a huge swath of Illini fans, apparently. This is their news source. And I wonder for them if they ever feel like there's things to criticize about Illinois sports, of which there has been a lot in the last 10 years, but maybe not in their minds. So what we do here in the 200 level and what I think even guys like Jeremy, um, Joey, Derek, Brad Sturdy has been on the beat for a long time. Maybe Doug Bouchon, but <laughs> I don't read his stuff so much. But I think that Doug actually, when he gets to reporting, is um, not bad. He just gets in a lot of Twitter kerfuffles, so to speak, more than I do for sure. Um, but these guys that have been around for a while, they still, I think, maintain that line between being a reporter and calling out what you see. And um, there's way too many fresh faces out there right now. I mean, good Lord, the number of podcasts and Illini sites and blogs, I think it's great. I think everyone should have an opportunity to do that. But if you are going to do it, at least have a basic understanding of the role of journalism. Just please. I got my journalism degree and I'm not going to tell you I was a great journalism student. I never ended up working for a newspaper because there's parts of journalism that didn't end up doing it for me. That's why I went back to school to become a teacher after doing enough radio to figure, you know, the media business is tough. It is. And I get this independent little thing here where I don't need to really worry about a damn thing. It's nice. Um, but at the very least, just have a basic functioning understanding of what a journalist slash reporter slash recruiting analyst, whatever you want to call it, what they should and should not do. All right. That's my soapbox. Probably went on too long for that. Um, Truly meant no personal ill will or any of that towards anybody else. But um, come on, Alani Media, let's do better. Now, granted, I've made my share of mistakes on this podcast on 93.5 over the years. I've said things that maybe I shouldn't, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think that's it for today. I'm feeling good, man. It's a Sunday morning. It is about 9.15 Central as I wrap this up. And 10.15 over here in Lexington, so we'll be heading to the festival in a couple hours for Dave Matthews Band, my 76th Dave Matthews Band show. Yeah, I know. You're probably groaning at that fact. But yes, um, it's been a summer of concerts, and it continues. I love it. Um, and next Saturday, we'll be happy to be back at Memorial Stadium with hopefully a crap ton of Illini fans and a crap ton out in Lot 31. I'm going to get there early. We're going to make a day of it. Uh, before I go, i got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. They will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So let's say you need a lunch sometime during the week when you're at work. They'll bring it to your place. Let's say you need it in Lot 31 before you walk into the UTSA game. They might be able to bring it to Lot 31. Maybe you can pick it up on the way home after Illinois goes 2-0. But regardless, DP Doe celebrating their 15th anniversary. You can get a custom zone with anything that you want on it. Some of their favorites like the Buffer Zone or the Maui Wowie. I cannot recommend it enough. It's as good as it was back in 2006. Best bang for your buck in Champaign-Urbana, dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Get your Illini football swag, including the new Brandon Lloyd t-shirt. Check that design out at fourthandkirby.com. It is, as the kids say, fire. Do kids say that anymore? I don't know. Sixth graders don't really say that. Um, also, Rector Construction, for all your exterior construction needs. Even though construction season we typically think of as summer and the fall, these guys do it year-round, and they are expert craftsmen and great customer service. 
Check them out at rectorconstruction.com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Wife, auto home, business renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network appreciate their partnership with the 200 level, episode 208, A Star is Corn, Harry Black, your idea made it as a title. I texted him and Trevor, they must still be sleeping because I know that that's going to give them a good chuckle. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Alani fans. It is cause for celebration, and we might have something here with this football program. We, we just might. Stay safe, stay healthy. <clears throat> we'll see you sometime middle of this week as we get ready for UTSA. It is the 200 level.